Hi everybody, I'm John Sherwood and this is my podcast where I seek to fuel faith in Jesus in the 21st century. I'm a minister of the gospel and believe in making disciples who make disciples because Jesus really is beautiful and amazing and worth following with everything that we have. You can check out more resources at my website, johnsherwood.com, where I write about the intersection of faith and modern culture, as well as Bible study, leadership, and faith interviews, all designed to help ignite and fuel faith in Jesus Christ. And with all that, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is John Sherwood here at johnsherwood.com. Today I've got Bobby Harrington on the line with us, and uh, he's going to be talking with us about uh, this idea of disciple-making first and uh, what it means to be a part of a group, part of a tribe, a part of an organization that really prioritizes making disciples. I had the chance to meet Bobby uh, late last year up in Nashville where he uh, is as a lead pastor of a church there, Harpeth Christian Church. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. John, it's great to be with you, and I look forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So just uh, tell me a little bit about uh, just, you know, sort of yourself and uh, how you uh, got involved in this sort of national uh, North American disciple-making first uh, endeavor. What, what was that like for you? Sure. Um, it's actually a long story to give you all the details, so I'm just going to give you the short version. Um, the short version is that from the time I became a true follower of Jesus at the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, I've been convinced uh, of the Lordship of Jesus through Scripture, that uh, those who uh, are true Christians, true disciples of Jesus, live their lives um, under the Lordship of Jesus, whereby we say that who Jesus is and what he has called us to do, and what he teaches us to do both by Scripture and by the leading of his Holy Spirit, uh, is the most important thing in life. And uh, once you come to that belief, then um, there's going to be an ongoing frustration until that belief comes home in a disciple-making focus. Uh, in other words, because Jesus is Lord, disciple-making is essential. And so for me, that led me uh, about 10 years ago. I planted a church just outside Nashville. Harpeth Christian Church, as you referred to, and uh, it led me to uh, lead our church through a shift where instead of five purposes of the church, as Rick Warren had uh, advocated for in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, we realized there's only one core mission or purpose of the church, and uh, that's to make disciples the way Jesus did. And so we made the transition to that. Uh, I began uh, spending a lot of time with Jim Putman uh, with Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho. Uh, we uh, worked together, created the Relational Discipleship Network. Uh, it's a group of churches committed to Jesus' method of disciple-making, which is highly relational and uh, teaches people to live under the lordship of Jesus. Um, and then uh, about uh, four years ago, became uh, persuaded by the founder of the Exponential Conference, Todd Wilson, who's my very dear friend, close friend, uh, to uh, go ahead and start a national discipleship or disciple-making conference like Exponential, as Exponential is to church planting, discipleship.org is to uh, disciple-making. So that's the short version. Gotcha. And so you mentioned, uh, you know, that was a lot, and I'm going to come back to the Exponential uh, thing towards the end, but 
you mentioned that you started leading um, your church through this shift, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about that uh, for those um, out there that may lead churches or are planting churches or thinking about planting churches, but this may be not the, the culture that they are already in or inheriting. What are some of the, the bumps and the bruises that you sort of uh, underwent as you tried to lead this group through this radical transformation and shift of, of what the core mission and purpose of the church is? Yeah. <clears throat> so when you decide that, uh, discipleship or disciple making is the core mission of the church. Uh, that means that everything that you do, you want to come back to that. For example, we have Celebrate Recovery, so recovery ministry. Mm. But the big question for us is how does Celebrate Recovery lead people to be disciples of Jesus? Well, actually, Celebrate Recovery does a great job of that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a marriage ministry serving our community. And so the question is how are we doing things to help people with their marriages? that leads them to become disciples of Jesus and to get into discipling relationships. And I could go on uh, and describe it in a bunch of different ways. Sure. For most people watching this who, who are in a local church, the biggest tension they're going to find is the tension between the pressure to produce a great morning service and uh, the energy, resources, and time left over to really focus on disciple-making Monday through Saturday. Mm. And so um, today there's just so much pressure to put on a good Sunday morning show. And uh, that good Sunday morning show uh, ends up being for a lot of people, the, almost the primary or for many people, the exclusive way that they experience church. And uh, a Sunday morning service is uh, a disciple-making environment, but for most people over time, it's probably the least effective disciple-making environment. Right. And uh, certainly it was not the focus of Jesus' ministry. The focus of Jesus' ministry uh, was uh, Peter, James, and John and the Twelve. And uh, New Testament scholars estimate he, he invested somewhere between uh, 60 to 90% of his time with the Twelve. And therefore, if we're trying to look at Jesus, or I would argue look at the Apostle Paul as well, there's just a lot of time spent uh, raising up disciples and disciple-makers rather than just focusing on Sunday morning services. Right, right. You know, so you uh, mentioned that you um, were a part of helping this discipleship, um, making first mentality actually uh, get introduced in the Exponential Conference. I know that uh, that just happened recently down in Florida a couple of weeks ago. I know you were also a part of a conference that I was a part of right before that in Florida called Unboxed. Maybe you can kind of speak to, um, you know, each in turn, if you like, or together, sort of what your experience is like as this disciple-making first mentality continues to sort of eke out into different tribes, into different um, circles and rings of evangelical Christianity in North America. Okay. Um, well, let me try. Uh, I'll try to go in three circles here. The first is, uh, let me decide, describe what a discipleship first person is and the, the, uh, the fire that we're trying to pour gasoline on in, in the movement, discipleship.org. By the way, I decided to wear my discipleship.org hat today so that you can. There it is. There it is. There's a more. Um, uh, a discipleship first person is somebody who's come to the conclusion that uh, their life should be focused around first being a disciple uh, because of the worthiness of Jesus, what he's done for us, because he is Lord, 
Uh, and so we're going to be disciples, which means we're going to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength in the way of Jesus. We're going to love other people in the way of Jesus. So want to be disciples, but the net uh, result of really wanting to love people the way God wants them loved is that our top concern is going to be that other people would be disciples of Jesus. There'll be other things that we'll be concerned about. We'll be concerned about the poor. We'll be concerned about education. We'll be concerned about the homeless. Um, but our biggest concern is going to be, are people right with God? And are they living the life God intended? Right. Uh, so a discipleship first person is somebody who, again, seeks to be a disciple uh, who makes disciples. Right. So what, once you come to that uh, conviction, um, what we find happening over the last five years is a movement where that's gaining steam. And it's gaining steam for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is the way uh, church is going in North America, most people are convinced is not working. There's something wrong. Things, you know, people in the church look just like people outside the church. And, and uh, that, you know, the kind of life that the New Testament envisions is often not the kind of life that we're living. And so a lot of people at all kinds of out of churches are really questioning, and it's, it's uh, leading them back to Robert Coleman's uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism, which was really the master, Jesus' master plan of disciple-making, which when it came out over about 55 years ago, almost everybody right away said, this book is right across all denominations, tribes, and groups. Uh, if they cared about Scripture, then they tended to think this is right, but most people didn't know how to live it out. I know, John, in your tribe, uh, there was a real emphasis on it. Uh, that emphasis included with it some things that were not taught in Robert Coleman's book. In fact, Robert Coleman distanced himself from those things. But yet, um, to be fair, at the best of the movement, you're a part of that was the desire. Right. Is to replicate Jesus' model. Right. So that's, gain, that's gaining in... Uh, uh, desire across the land. It's in the Bible. What we're doing isn't working. And so a lot of people are drawn back to it. So that's number one. Number two, uh, there's been some significant movements that are, that are drawing people to it. Um, you've got people like Bill Hull, uh, who's written quite a bit on this. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, a guy like uh, Jim Putman, mm -hmm. uh, who decided when he planted Real Life Ministries to build the whole church around Jesus' method of disciple-making. And so, boom, in like six years, you had a church of 6,000 people in a remote area of Idaho uh, that just sprang up and did great things and then helped uh, plant other churches and, and has led to this network where we probably have just under 60 churches in our network right now. And uh, we, we uh, turned down over 90% of churches that want to join the network because we're trying to keep it really pure around the beliefs and the philosophy of disciple-making. Uh, to help with that conversation, about five years ago, the director of Exponential, Todd Wilson, who's a very good friend of mine, uh, and I were talking um, with an, Jim Putman, who's a very good friend of mine, and uh, there was a bit of a disconnect between them. Jim thought uh, Exponential needed to emphasize disciple-making more. And so, uh, a long story, there was uh, some very intense conversations, and uh, Todd... Uh, came more around to see the importance of disciple making. Uh, he asked Jim and I to write the book Disciple Shift, which came out in 2013, and it will be uh, focused for exponential for the entire year. 
And uh, that book ended up getting a lot of traction because of exponential. Mm. And uh, uh, so what you have going on are you have uh, uh, sort of this spontaneously growing desire for disciple making. You've got writers like Bill Hull and Jim Putman and the continuing legacy of Robert Coleman and Randy Pope at Perimeter Church and others. And, uh, and then you find this uh, coalescing initially around exponential. In fact, let me just say this, uh, as I stay on the, the uh, exponential part of it, pouring gasoline on it. Exponential, which is this, the largest gathering of church plant leaders in the country. Um, they have like 5,500 in April. They'll have 2,000 in the fall, and then several gatherings of, uh, you know, five to 500 to 1,000 people around the country, all around church planting. It's the premier uh, influential church planting organization. And uh, uh, it is the aggregator of all the church planting organizations in the country uh, in terms of evangelical Christianity and even some outside of evangelical Christianity. Anyway, they have decided at the heart of church planting it has to be disciple-making. And they've come up with, uh, it's called Level 5 Churches. Uh, and uh, they're really advocating level five churches. These are spontaneously multiplying church. And uh, the best example of, is Ralph Moore and the Hope Chapel movement. And uh, if you go to discipleship.org, you can look to the interview I did of Ralph Moore. He has uh, been a part of the Hope Chapel movement. They've planted over 2,400 churches now. And Ralph says 90% of it is disciple making. And so disciple-making has to be at the heart of an effective and enduring church planting movement. Now, that leads me to discipleship.org. Um, the goal with discipleship.org, uh, first of all, God's through a series of circumstances that we don't have time to get into. I believe that God's called me to it. He uh, printed in me early on, uh, 39 years ago, when I became a follower of Jesus, fundamental issue of the lordship of jesus and then over time i just believe that god you know helped me to see that and how disciple making has to be at the heart of that and then through a series of circumstances with todd wilson with getting the website discipleship.org which was a total god thing to uh, just granting effectiveness and bringing people from all kinds of tribes together around disciple making uh when we had the first independent forum last fall for uh, five years now, we have done all the discipleship tracks at exponential. Uh, so we've had some influence there, but we're really excited about discipleship.org uh, for three reasons. One is the national gathering, the, that where we bring together the top disciple making leaders in the country from all kinds of tribes. They all agree to 10 affirmations that are on our website. They have to, to speak at it. Uh, so we have the National Forum. We have courses, disciple-making courses, online courses that we're creating. Uh, we uh, have a, a bunch of resources, podcasts, blogs, e-books. We have a bunch of e-books coming out. And then we have a resource series with Zondervan that God kind of just laid on our, our lap. Um, Zondervan is the largest publisher of Christian material. And Donovan uh, has given us a book series called Discipleship.org Resources. Uh, we've got, uh, <laughs> I get the number right, we've got uh, five books, actually six, 
that are a part of that resource series, and uh, one or two will come out every year. Oh, fantastic. That's the short story. Right, fantastic. Well, I know that as um, this disciple-making first mentality continues to uh, permeate you know, more and more uh, segments and corners of the the Christian world, you know, in, in North America, especially, uh, I know that uh, it's super encouraging for me to see that because I know one of the things that really drew me to um, really, as you said, becoming a Jesus follower was for the first time, really at that time, there was a lot of things converging, but one of them was I saw people actually living a disciple-making first lifestyle through the the scriptures, you know, through obedience to the scriptures. And that was so, uh, it's so impacting to me. And I remember a dream uh, being born then at that time for me that I, I wanted to see this continue to permeate more and more of the, the Christian world because my experience was I hadn't really seen that before. Uh, and so it's exciting to see just, you know, how I, I believe God's spirit is continuing to move and, and bring about uh, what I'm calling kind of this resurrection of discipleship. Uh, I actually had a chance to have Bill Hull uh, on here at johnsherwood.com and do an interview with him about the resurrection of discipleship. I'm hoping to be able to maybe connect with Jim Putman at some time. So, uh, Bobby, thanks so much for just what you're doing and for taking the time to be on here. You know, is there any other uh, resources? I know you mentioned discipleship.org, which has tons of stuff. Is there anything else out there that you would recommend maybe a church leader or a church planter go to that's wanting to learn and grow and maybe even shift itself into this disciple-making first mentality? Um, well, of course, I would advocate discipleship.org because that's why we created it, to provide those resources. Um, there's a couple of books. I, I think if you want to shift to church, uh, the book Disciple Shift is still the best book for shifting a church to disciple-making. Uh, on a practical level, uh, we just came out with a book called The Disciple Maker's Handbook. And uh, I think that's that's really helpful. Probably the third thing that I would say, John, is we're about to publish um, several ebooks. Um, these are free downloadable ebooks, including mm -hmm. an online uh, an ebook on a, an online disciple maker assessment tool where you and the people you're discipling, you can help them to see where they're at and how they can get more effective. And you can register for that at discipleship.org. So in short, that's how I would answer that question. So I know that uh, you mentioned some things about the history of my tribe and, and, and its uh, endeavors to uh, make disciples at its core. Uh, what what sort of things would you see uh, being possible hurdles for the International Churches of Christ today being able to regain this sort of disciple-making first mentality or position? Yeah. Um, I don't know if what I'm about to tell you about you guys is right. As you know, at the Unboxed Conference, uh, I gave a lecture, I think including the question and answer was a couple of hours on um, my uh, observations about uh, International Churches of Christ, which I would encourage your listeners to go and watch that because I, I don't want to cover that territory again right now. But my, my own understanding or my own belief is that your movement will continue to flounder until it gets clarity about a positive way forward. Um, in spiritual uh, formation literature, there are two distinct ways that are described. One is the uh, apophatic way, where we're defining ourselves by what we don't believe anymore. And the other is the cataphatic, where we're saying, this is the way, we got to go this way. Uh, it's two ways of knowing God, too. And there are times in our lives 
And I would argue you probably needed the last 10 to 13 years to define what you didn't believe. But movements are not sustained over time by what you no longer believe. It has to be what you do believe. And so for your tribe, here's my, my wish, my, uh, my dream. There's a group of us who are talking about pulling together some people who uh, believe in the restoration vision uh, as it was broadly um, introduced by Alexander Campbell and Barton Stone. Now, their vision, uh, as it has come down to us through history, tended to be focused on what Alexander called, Alexander Campbell called, church polity, morals, and uh, um, the ordinances of baptism and communion. And in a culture where everybody is a Christian, everybody believes in the Bible, you can, you can afford to focus on uh, those things that would not be front and center, not like the gospel, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus every day. I'm not saying that they're not related, they're related. But if you make church uh, structure issues your focus, there's no future in that. However, Coming out of the Campbell Stone heritage is this doctrine that you and I have discussed that both you and I agree with, and it's the lordship of Jesus through Scripture. Here's what I mean. It's Jesus is Lord, therefore uh, he is worthy of all reverence and devotion and obedience and surrender. And the way we do that is through what he teaches in the apostolic word, Scripture. Uh, it is the objective and sure foundation for following that, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of the things that I am contemplating is trying to bring together uh, some key leaders of three uh, of the distinctive tribes that have come out of the Stone Campbell uh, heritage. And they are people who are committed to some things I'll tell you about in just a second. But the three tribes. I believe that there are, there's a remnant, more than a remnant, a strong number of independent Christian church people who would buy into what I'm about to describe to you. There is a uh, lesser number of Church of Christ leaders who would buy into what I'm about to describe to you. Most people don't realize, but in, uh, at uh, the uh, schools and seminaries of uh, Churches of Christ, uh, with one or two exceptions, they've gone really liberal. And so their Bible uh, programs are uh, headed up by people who don't even have a high view of Scripture, let alone the Lordship of Jesus through Scripture. Um, so we're hoping to reclaim some people out of that tribe. Or, or by the way, in uh, acapella churches, uh, they can just as easily be tied up in the uh, silly arguments about acapella music and things like that. But, they don't matter, and uh, don't, they matter less and less to people. And, and then from the international churches of Christ, uh, I think that the great thing about the international churches of Christ is this strong core conviction about the lordship of Jesus through Scripture. Now, it ended up being a, a, an authoritarian, legalistic emphasis many times, but I think that you guys have sufficiently distanced yourselves, at least emotionally, from that. And so imagine that we bring together key leaders of all three tribes around the following. The first is, we're going to be people who are about trusting and following Jesus. We're going to be disciples of Jesus, first and foremost. We're going to hold to the gospel of Jesus. We're going to hold to following Jesus. 
but we're going to hold to the power of the Holy Spirit to help us follow Jesus. We're going to call people to an obedient lifestyle to Jesus. And then we're going to say the greatest thing is to create communities of people committed to that. Right. Right. And then out of, out of that primary commitment to Jesus and that uh, related commitment to make disciples of Jesus, then we pull along behind those two focal points, some of the strengths of our heritage of that heritage of uh, proper view of baptism, proper right. view of how to, uh, have male leadership through elders functioning like Christ-like leaders in the church and, and men who function like Christ-like leaders in the home and what it means to uh, really love each other and serve the poor and the needy out of a community uh, that is uh, a community that is about a discipleship first community. Right. And anyway, that's the, that's my probably too long again answer. To no, your- that's fine. That's fine. You know, I think, um, the the um, <laughs> just to be frank here with you and all my audience, you know, one of the things that has not been the International Churches of Christ strength uh, typically in the past or historically is is learning how to quote unquote play well with others, and so uh, I'm excited about this opportunity to uh, really be able to rally around and together. Yeah. If others that we that we really do share the same core convictions with, as you mentioned, the lordship of Jesus, the proper view of baptism, and a, a, com- a community that is really built around the center mission of disciple making first. These things are things that people disciple first. Yeah, John. One of the things I think is important is sometimes I'll hear people uh, from your tribe talk about my purpose. Well, our first purpose to be disciples of Jesus, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to receive Jesus' forgiveness, to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. we got to be before we do. Right. Now, coming into being, we want others to have what we have. Right. So we're going to make disciples. Right. That's going to be the greatest gift we can ever give to anybody, I believe, is to help them to be disciples of Jesus. But the order is important. And then I just got to say, behind those two things, come the view on baptism and come the view on church and, you know, communion and, you know, all these other things. Right. Right. That distinction is important. The distinction between purpose and mission and one does follow the other and the order is very important. Bobby, thanks again for everything. Is there uh, any other thoughts that you would have that you think might be pertinent for this audience on this topic? Well, if, if we're going to do this gathering and I'm still praying about it, and uh, talking to a few people, we will do it probably the Saturday morning after the National Disciple Making Forum. And it'll be an invite event for people from the uh, uh, Restoration Movement tribe. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to being able to hear more about this and to be a part of this. And uh, just really, again, appreciate you taking the time to join me here. It's been great talking to you, John. Thank you for listening to this Faith Fuel podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.